January 1st doesn't just celebrate the new year, but also awards season, where we find out not only about the best new vehicles, but also the 10 best engines, according to the Wards Auto editorial team. Today on AutoLine This Week, three of the team discuss this year's winners. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. On today's show, we're going to get to the bottom of what the best engine is that you can buy because I'm joined by three of the top editors from Ward's Auto who have evaluated 32 different powertrains to come up with the 10 best. And those editors are Tom Murphy, Christy Schweinsberg, and Bob Gritzinger. And it's great to have the three of you here. Thanks We've been doing this for a number of years now, going over Ward's 10 best. And what I find so interesting is we're starting to see more and more green powertrains creep into your list. Tom, I think you've got four of them, four in, of them. in this year. Why don't we start out with the Chevrolet Bolt? Sure. Why did you decide it's one of the 10 best powertrains out there? Because it's got a 238-mile range. That's why. You know, I mean, there's a lot of other electric vehicles out there. The Volkswagen e-Golf was close in our list. Uh, it, we, we really did like that one. But when you look at the two... Differences in range, I mean, nearly 100 miles difference. Uh, that um, the, the know, Bolt is over yeah, the, the Bolt the is, yes, over the E-Golf. Uh, so, and then also the Chevy Volt was in the competition this year. The plug-in Volt. The plug-in Volt, uh, which was a winner last year. Uh, but, uh, but the Bolt just really blows us away. I mean, that range is great. It's fun to drive. Um, and uh, as we see more and more of these battery electrics. Um, everything's got to be over 200 miles, it seems like. That's, that's kind of the price of entry, although we're looking at the new Nissan Leaf, which is, which is lower. They have, a, they have that lower threshold on, on battery range, uh, but uh, well into the future, it's, it's got to be over 200 miles. Did Tesla factor into this, the new Tesla Model 3? <laughs> Can he get one? No, I don't that's think a, so. Not yet. That's a sore subject for us, yeah. John. I mean, they, yeah. uh, we haven't We've never had a Tesla in the office to evaluate. We've asked for vehicles, and they they have not wanted to participate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's not just you guys because I'm I in the media. I've never gotten yeah. a Tesla from Tesla, although yeah. I've had a chance to drive some right. from private right. owners. But yeah, Tesla picks and chooses who they do. in the yeah. media they yeah. will work with. Well, and and in their defense, I mean, um, we have a price cap uh, at sixty three thousand dollars. So base price. And a lot of the Teslas have been priced over that, yeah. out of the you know out of contention. But now, of course, the Model Three will come along. We're hoping things will change, and we'd like to include it next year. Mm -hmm. Just to to add one thing on the Chevy Bolt, you know that it's won every award in the past year. Uh, this was our first opportunity this this time around to really get in it, test it, the way we test vehicles. Uh, and our everyday driving, our regular commutes, long drives. And so uh, we can now see why it's won all those awards. Mm -hmm. And Bob drove it to Traverse City and charged at a Dairy Queen, right? I did, yes. <laughs> at the back of a Dairy Queen, it's a wonderful thing. I can provide that picture to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you also have the Chrysler Pacifica yeah. plug-in hybrid, yeah, which right. is pretty good. Christy, why'd you guys like this one? Uh, great range if you keep it charged all the time and you're a mom or a dad driving kids around, you don't ever have to use a drop of gasoline. Um, and even if you do use gasoline, because we had two to test, we had one we were charging all the time and we had one we weren't charging, which I actually drove here today, um, we're getting right now 23.9 miles per gallon in the one that we never charged. 
because uh, when you're on that break all the time, driving in the city like I do, um, you're you're regening and feeding that battery, and um, it's and it's a big vehicle too. And you know, there's so few electrified big vehicles out there in the market, and this one is is very usable while utility with the electrification. And added. there were times when I was driving the one that we kept kept uh, plugged in frequently, and I was seeing 50, 60 miles per gallon at certain times, you know, because we kept the thing. Now, hold it, because I think they're advertising 80 miles to the gallon, well, are they not? Uh, in some it, cases, MPGE, yeah. I mean, if, right. yeah. Yeah. MPGE, but uh, so, but still, 50 to 60 in a vehicle that size, you know, that's, that's, that's Prius numbers, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. so. Temperature makes a difference. We, we yeah. had that last week, right? So it's getting a little colder now here in Michigan, yeah. so that can impact your range. But right. it, does a, it does a great job of, of uh, shifting between its power its powertrains. In so the hybrid that, mode. Right, so that you can get far more use out of the electric miles. Uh, the engine will kick in and kind of almost extend your electric driving. So it's, it's really uh, slick. And pure yeah. electric, you can get what, about 30, 30 miles? 33. Yeah. Although we've seen some... Um, people on chat room saying uh, as high as 45 or 50. Man. And I'm not sure how they're doing that. Downhill. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, I know at one point I drove the vehicle 27 miles and used 17 miles of electric range. Yeah. So, so you would have gone over 30. It's, it's doing sure. a great right. job. Yeah. 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 Christy, you raised a really good point. Uh, in the colder weather, you mm -hmm. lose range in an electric vehicle. Certainly. Is that because of the battery or because you're running the heater or the, the seat heaters? I think both. I think lithium ions like warmer temperatures. Um, and, I, and yes, you do lose range when you run uh, not so much the seat and the steering wheel, if you have a heated steering wheel, but definitely the HVAC system. And we had some vehicles that would show you visually with a, with a graphic every time you turned on a system how much range would disappear, you know. Which is really cool. I mean, it's yeah. great that they're able to communicate that to consumers now, you know, something on the screen with a big giant green dial with the car and then all of these, you know, here's a here's a tab for your, you know, for your fan, for your, you know, your your climate control, your your uh, heated, heated seats, air conditioning, um, all these things that are going to draw juice and every time you put one on, the you know, the the bar goes up a little bit. So you learn pretty quickly, oh, the more of these things that I'm running, the worse my fuel economy is going to be. Yeah, but that could be a detriment, too, in the marketplace, right? Because, I mean, the early adopters, we'll all put up with that. You know, we'll turn off the heat, you know, yeah, we'll, right. we'll put on a coat to drive, and, mm -hmm. but the general yeah. public's not going to do that, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Well, um, the Pacifica Hybrid, if you're going to get all of that electric range, you, you need to do those kinds of things, and it's similar to driving the Bolt where you... You drive it maybe 60 miles an hour instead of 70. Mm -hmm. You drive it with economical air conditioning or roll down a window. So, yeah, people are going to have to... I'll say I'm the adjust. coldest woman in America. <laughs> um, I've been awarded that title many times. And I drive a Volt. I'm on my third least Volt. And I usually, unless it's a very, very cold day here in Michigan, you know, like teens, maybe low 20s, all I ever use are the heated seats and the heated steering wheel. And I'm good. She also wears a hat, you know, yeah. stocking hat yes. most of the day. Well, I was going to so, say, you people indoors. are really committed, or you should be. <laughs> okay. She's really very warm. Bob, let's turn on to the, the, the next one, the Honda Clarity fuel cell. Have you ever had a fuel cell on the top 10 we did. best engine list? Tucson, the Hyundai Tucson okay. a couple of years ago. And that one was getting 265 miles of range on a full tank of hydrogen. 
This one, the new, uh, you know, the Honda Clarity, 366, uh, making it the longest range of any zero emission vehicle on the planet, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so 366 miles, that's great. Of course, you have the infrastructure chart, uh, you know, challenges yeah, associated with How'd you with fill up the yeah. tank, or could well, you? We didn't. Uh, it was filled up for us, and it was brought right. to us with 366 miles of range, so we were able to drive so it for a whole week. So Honda trailered the car to you. They did. They yeah. did. Is there right. any uh, refuel, public refuel? I know there are hydrogen stations yeah. in the area, but and I think they, they're all for research yeah, groups. Right. Yeah. Not around Metro Detroit, but mm -hmm. you get out to the West Coast, you get to the East Coast, and this infrastructure is growing. So I understand some people are going to think, oh, well, that's, that's ridiculous because few people can actually find how it, you know, can get the fuel for the cars. But, um, you know, this infrastructure is coming. We need zero emission vehicles. And, uh, and if, if this felt like a science project to us, we wouldn't have put it on the list. Mm -hmm. But this drives like a very natural car. The braking is very natural. The acceleration is very natural. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, it turns the wheels exactly the way we want it to, and that's why, that's why it's on the list. And it's, and it's innovative as well. I mean, we're not talking about uh, evaluating infrastructure here. We're evaluating engines and powertrains and propulsion systems. And this system is 33% is smaller than the previous generation fuel cell stack and produces one and a half times the power and fits in the space of a V6 engine. So it fits into yeah. the, the clarity is kind of like a really nice accord with this fuel cell stack. So they can drop this powertrain into anything that they build that has a V6, mm -hmm. which is very innovative. Mm -hmm. yeah. We want to recognize innovative engineering and we feel, that, we feel that this that's, vehicle that's does it. it. Yeah. Okay, and, and one more green car, if you yeah. will, on the list, and uh, that's uh, the Toyota Camry Hybrid. Bob, you want to start with that? Uh, we looked at both the Camry uh, 2.5, um, and this is a naturally aspirated four-cylinder mm -hmm. engine. All new. All new. Not a bad engine, but boy, when you add the electric propulsion to it, it fills in all the weak spots, any low torque areas, low, you know, low power areas in the driving range. Suggestively, it's like how did how was it described, Tom? Uh, like turbo. Turbo like oh, yeah. yeah. boost. Yeah. So um, 208 horsepower altogether, which is a which is a good number for a hybrid. Uh, but yeah, a number of the judges said. Um, just driving along when they, you know, let's say you're doing 50 miles an hour and you step on the gas a little bit, you want some more. It doesn't just feel like the, like the gas engine is kicking in. You're feeling some of that electric boost. And so almost acting really like a turbocharger to some extent. Yeah. What impressed me about the, the Camry Hybrid is it matches the fuel economy of the base Prius. Yep. And the Prius was designed from the ground up to be only a hybrid. Yeah. And here's the Camry, which is a sedan, and they, they hybridized it, and it matches the Prius. Right. To me, that, that says, boy, did they do their job on this car. Absolutely. And it should, uh, it should certainly help uh, the ratio of hybrid sales. You know, the, the Camry uh, four-cylinder and V6 have been the power plants everybody goes to for that vehicle. And I think this, you know, especially where it's priced, is going to be a very alluring proposition. Yeah. And, and it's important that they're doing this now, right? Because uh, Prius sales have been down, and now you have this all-new vehicle, the Camry. Uh, you know, interesting interior, a lot of interesting design aspects of the car, and now this great powertrain. It seems to me, um, you know, yeah. Toyota is stepping up their game on hybrids even okay. further. 
Now we got to go to the complete opposite yeah. end of the spectrum here because you also have the five liter V8 from the Mustang in it. Yep. And Tom, why did it make the list? There was only one V8 in the competition this year, and this came after a year ago when we had zero V8s on our list. First time for a, you know, a long time when we had no V8. So, uh, <laughs> 460 horsepower. Um, how much more do I have to say? Uh, it, it just um, it makes all the right sounds. Uh, Low-end torque, upper-end torque, it's all there. Um, and this same engine also appearing in the F-150, very versatile. Uh, and get this, we were, we were getting like 26 miles per gallon in a, in a Mustang, and I don't think any of us were driving it terribly gently either. Um, so, and then interesting, uh, you know, engineering behind this. This is the 5-liter V8, uh, which we had on our list a number of years ago. I think in the Boss 302, it, when it was making 444 horsepower, and now at 460 with the addition of direct injection with port injection. Very interesting, which was something that only Toyota was doing. And now Ford, Ford is very heavily into it as well. And I, I think Bob had a lot of experience with that engine. Yeah, yeah. Got to drive it, uh, well, here in Michigan, but also on the drive program that they did out in California. And, um, you know, just a, a tremendous uh, engine. When you... You put it in drag strip mode and launch it, uh, you're at beyond legal velocity before you get to third gear. Yeah. Uh, and it's and a 10-speed automatic. Yeah. 10-speed automatic. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Breaking the law and seven more gears to go. <laughs> so breaking, yeah, yeah. And we're talking, you could go to hyperspace. For sure. um, and also, the, the, to touch on just a little bit more of the technology, Tom mentioned that they've, that they've uh, added... Um, the dual fuel injection. This is also the first mass application of the plasma arc spray-in cylinder liner uh, that they did in the 5.2 GT350 Shelby Mustang. Now they've applied it across the board in all of these five liters that will go in the Mustang as well as America's best-selling vehicle. The F-150 pickup. I, 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 and that, that's a great segue, but I want to uh, uh, linger on that thought a moment because you're, you're pointing out this is a manufacturing process, mm -hmm. the spray-in liners, right? Right, yeah. And so manufacturing can play a role, a big role, in making an engine more efficient, more powerful, or what have you. A little more displacement and... Uh, drops about eight pounds from the block yeah, by taking out those cast iron cylinder liners. Looks pretty good. Yeah. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned the F-150. Let's jump into the next category. Uh, and uh, uh, Christy, why don't you start with it? You've got three different turbo V6s on the list. And they're all great. They're yeah. all fantastic. And you're not going to even think about what happened to the V8 when you drive these because plenty of usable power. Um, in some cases, more than you really need. Uh, and in the case of the F-150, I mean, you know, you look at, you, you see 2.7 liter, and you think, oh, my goodness, this is going to be horrible. And it's Because you think it's too small an engine. You think it's too small to motivate that big of a vehicle. the size of most engines that we used to have in those trucks. Yeah, yeah but it, it motivates that vehicle remarkably. I mean, it, it was really uh, a revelation for me to drive that with that engine. And, and, and possibly the most stunning application of stop-start that we've seen. Yeah, to to this point, unbelievably quiet in, in the, in the, the F series pickup. Yes. You're saying the stop pickup. start was the smoothest you've ever you run don't into. Don't even notice that it occurs. This Maybe it helps one. that you have such a large engine bay, and you know you have a lot of areas where you can encapsulate certain sound. But I was I was standing at the at the fender, 
outside the car, Bob was inside, and 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 I, I had my ear up to the fender. I, I wasn't sure if it was on, and and when it cycled on and when it cycled out, I couldn't even tell. And I'm like, come on, where's the, you know. Man, it was that hard to, to hear. It was really yeah. something. So that's a system where people won't shut it off, and it will save fuel. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Kia Stinger. I'm sure a lot of people still don't know what the Stinger is, but they're going to learn about it. And Tom, why, why did the, the twin-turbo V6 from that make the list? A 3.3-liter twin-turbo V6 uh, that was evaluated head-to-head with the Infiniti Q50 3-liter twin-turbo V6. Uh, I'm sorry, 3.3-liter for, the, for the Hyundai Kia, yeah. uh, but the 3-liter in the Infiniti. So we had these two going right up against each other. We first evaluated the 3.3 in the Genesis G80, this big uh, luxury sedan that is just a wonderful cruiser. We were also getting about 25 miles per gallon, very impressive. Uh, and you know, to Christie's point, you don't need a V8 because this is doing the job. Uh, and so, and then we tested the Stinger, which 700 pounds lighter, same horsepower, same same torque, 365 horsepower, 376 pound-feet of torque. And just uh, really, really moving the vehicle, uh, raising the bar as far as we're concerned on these turbos. Keep in mind also, this engine made the list over the BMW 3-liter inline-six, which is a single turbo. Uh, BMW has 33 awards, 10 best engines, trophies, more than anybody. And that, that engine, the, the BMW 3-liter inline-six, didn't make it while this... Hyundai Kia engine did, and uh, so that's really it, saying something. It, it, it says a lot. Yeah. yeah, wow, to beat out BMW like that, yeah. Yeah. unbelievable. And, and the the character of this engine and that Stinger is just spot on. Uh, I mean, this is a sports sedan, and and you know it. Uh, yeah, but it's also very refined. I mean, you know, the G80 is refined in a certain way, and this is refined in the sense that um, it's there's not a lot of vibration or harshness, which you sometimes get in these high-powered sport right. sedans. It's it's even in sport mode, I found it to be uh, very uh, yeah. pleasurable. Yeah, great sounds. And, though. and great sounds. cycling not only from sport mode, but down to comfort and eco mode. If you really want to save fuel on a road trip or something, mm-hmm. I think we were getting the, in the. Low twenties, mid twenties, fuel economy. So mm-hmm. I think we were driving it harder than yes, the I think we were. Quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just as we see a trend towards twin turbo V sixes in the three liter ish range, mm-hmm. yeah. two liter turbos seem to be taking over this industry, and we've got two of them on your list. Bob, why don't you tackle them? Well, uh, one is the Jag two liter. Uh, well, this the, let me pitch this to Tom. This is the first. Jag, first Jag like engine the Kia, the first list. Jag we've had on the yeah. list. And, and for Jag, this is a big deal because this is th- this Ingenium engine family, two-liter diesel and gas, uh, is all Jaguar. There is no Ford DNA. There, there wasn't, you know, it didn't start back when Ford still, still held the keys for Jaguar. So they're very proud of this engine. They have a lot to be proud of because it... it, it truly does the job. This version that we tested is making 247 horsepower, but there's another high output version at 296 that's available today. Um, and we'll test that one next year. Uh, we couldn't get it you know, for this year's competition, but at 247 horsepower, it's going right up against BMW and Audi and Mercedes and Cadillac, and it's, it's right there. I mean, it's locked Stands in. It's, yeah, it's, it's really good. 
Fuel economy was impressive. Uh, lots of low end, lots of mid range, just, uh, just doing everything that we wanted to. And $35,000 as a base price in a Jag with this engine. Uh, in today's impressive. market, that's a screaming bargain. That's, it is, yeah. absolutely. But talking about screaming ones, yeah. okay. the other four-cylinder turbo on the yeah. list the, in the Honda Civic Type R. Yeah. Uh, I mean, give us the specs on that one. <laughs> 306 horsepower. Oh, my God. 306 uh, horsepower 306 out of a two-liter engine. With front-wheel drive. Yeah. With front-wheel drive. So you think, oh, that would be awful to drive. But they did a lot of interesting um, work on the suspension to mitigate torque steer. And this thing barely torque steer at all. It really, it really tracks well, uh, channeling all this power. And then the exhaust, it's got a three-way exhaust. I mean, you don't usually see three pipes in the back of a car, but they did some really innovative uh, piping of the resonators to, uh, to, to funnel more air into all three resonators when the load required it. And uh, so, again, 26 miles per gallon, and we were beating the hell out of this car, John. Um, yeah, it just so much fun. Uh, and the, the clearly the most downshift. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, whew. Most powerful Honda ever in the U.S. And, yes, the rev matching on the transmission. You can go, you can be doing 80 miles an hour in fifth gear and switch to second if you want. And it'll and just, and you hear it. it just winds up and does oh, its it's thing. great. Yeah. See, it's so interesting what you're saying because I remember in the not-too-distant past, if a car company could get 100 horsepower per liter, yeah. that was really saying something. But it was at the, the, the top end of the line. It was yeah. Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Lotuses that could achieve that. Very, very expensive. Yep. And now you're saying a Honda Civic, albeit a Type R, yeah. is getting way over that. Now, now it's more like 150 um, horsepower. Uh, horsepower per liter is, is kind of the price of entry for, a, for an all-new four-cylinder turbo. Yeah, it's... It's it's really astonishing, really. And and we should point out that uh, another contender on our list uh, was fitted with a version of the same engine, completely different character in the Honda Accord, yep. but just really really strong, refined four cylinder turbo. You thought it was D2. a V six at first. I thought, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly I was digging through the paperwork as I was driving, trying to figure out is this a V six? Yeah. When did we get this? Yeah. So so if so. the Type R didn't make the list, the Honda Accord was going to make the list right. with a very similar engine. They're related. Of course the Type R has more reinforcement and yeah. You know, all of that. But. Higher boost pressure and that sort of thing. But, mm -hmm. but the Honda Accord's very nice too. Okay, we're, we we've talked about hybrids, fuel cell, pure electric, uh, twin turbo V six turbo four-cylinder. Christy, what do you think are some of the trends? What, what, what do you, when you look at it all, what are you walking away with? Well, certainly electrification is playing a bigger role. We think, we're not exactly sure, but we think this is the most electrified powertrains we've had on the list ever, because uh, we have four this year. Um, certainly the downsizing trend, you're seeing the, um, the mass market brands going from V6s to turbo fours, then you're seeing the luxury brands going from V8s to turbo sixes. Um, and just more of the same to come uh, as we approach more stringent fuel economy standards in the United States. And, and then you also have to factor in how exactly do you define electrification? So is a stop-start system, is that considered, you know, like the, the Buick LaCrosse e-assist, uh, which was also in our competition, did fairly well. Uh, I mean, that's not as electrified as a Bolt, but it's still got that. So you have this kind of gray area of deciding... Yes, we have electrification. So to, you know, to Christy's point, we've had a lot of vehicles over the years that may have had stop-start that made our list. Is that considered, a, you know, is that considered electrified? 
Yeah, good question. Good yeah. question. Because uh, y you got strong hybrids, mild hybrids, micro hybrids, yeah, exactly. stop, start, yeah. you know. So what are you talking about? There's exactly. a huge range. Right. Bob, what's your walk away well, from this, well, this year's I trend best? I would say uh, definitely more electrification, more small turbos. But the thing that always strikes me is uh, performance. Uh, every every company is engineering performance into these engines, whether it's gaining it through turbos, through through electrification, through the way the engine is set up, through more torque, more low end torque. Um, uh, instead of just giving you a, a sappy, you know, very efficient four cylinder engine to meet a fuel economy mark, they're hitting the fuel economy mark and making it a performance engine very fun to drive. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that the engine that the the companies are really working at making their cars uh, fun to drive. Mm -hmm. And and Tom, oh, so many takeaways for me, uh, but the turnover in these engine programs to me is is huge because this year we only had two return winners. That means eight eight new powertrains making the list. Um, as you know, Engines have been, you know, in the market, in some cases, many years before they get changed or upgraded. Nowadays, an engine make our list. The next year, we might see some improvements to that same engine. They're just cycling through a lot more quickly. Uh, so I, I, I find that really impressive. Um, and then, you know, this this turbocharging trend. Twenty out of thirty-two engines uh, in our competition with turbochargers. Uh, something else we saw: the turbochargers are getting so good that. Uh, we had a couple of supercharged engines in the competition, and I, I felt like there was lag in the supercharged engines compared yeah, to some compared of the turbos, the turbos yeah. which it used to be the other way around. It yeah, was always a supercharger that gave you the instant gratification. The turbo had that lag. Well, now the lag's been dealt with. Yeah. Fascinating. Look, we're going to have to wrap this up. I, I'd also add that these engines are becoming much more refined, especially the fours, which, oh, yeah. you know, used oh, to yeah. rev up and they'd be all rattly or buzzy. Fantastic. And, yeah. boy, that's going away real quickly, too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's amazing how sophisticated these things are getting. Right. But as I said, with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. I want to thank all three of you, Tom Murphy, Christy Swinesberg, Bob Gritzinger. Really interesting discussion on the 10 best engines, at least as Ward sees them. Thank Thanks, you, John. John. Thanks.